0: Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the race with no finish line. Now, this is a pain point that I know we all experience because it seems as though a lot of us are out here working really hard, doing our best, and moving as fast as we can, yet feeling at times like we're barely hanging on. And one of the reasons why I bring up this episode is because this is not something that I'm a stranger to myself, right? This will happen periodically in my own life, in the lives of my clients. And we start to wonder to ourselves, is the juice worth the squeeze? Am I overdoing it? Am I overtraining? Am I overworking? Am I overinvesting in certain things? So this is really important because the Zen principle that comes to mind when I think about this is the principle of right effort. We're going to be talking about right effort today. We're going to be talking about flow state as these are the ways that we would be able to combat this sensation of maybe overdoing it or overtraining because sometimes we want to improve and progress so bad that we end up actually moving backwards. We end up progressing and experiencing diminishing returns of our efforts. Burnout is a problem. It's been a problem for myself. It's been a problem for a lot of the people that I've worked with, friends of mine, and we all seem to experience it periodically. So what's interesting about it is that there are a lot of contributing things to burnout, at least that I've noticed in my own life. If we're going to talk about from the standpoint of health and fitness and physical training, the burnout would come from this idea of going beast mode every day and going as hard as you possibly can and always wanting to sprint and always wanting to work harder than your competition, But the same thing happens in business. Now in business and work, it has emerged as hustle culture. I was reading an article on hustle culture in preparation for this episode, and the article is by Afrina Arfa. And one of the things that was said right in the beginning as a definition for it is that in today's standard, hustle culture can be defined as a state of overworking to the point where it becomes a lifestyle. So in other words, it becomes almost like a Fatigue seeking style of work, this idea of overworking and blowing the gasket or redlining your mind and your body in the pursuit of hustle. Now, when somebody is hustling, they're often going after some kind of a goal or an outcome. And having a goal is fantastic. However, sometimes when we fall into this cultural phenomenon of hustle culture, we start to work for the sake of working and we want to go as hard as we can for as many hours as we can when it comes to our work, just for the performative ability of being able to say, I work 16 hours a day. Now, that's not necessarily getting us our outcome. And if anything, it's causing diminishing returns. It's causing our body to break down. Maybe our health is, you know, taking a backseat. Maybe our relationships are taking a backseat. So one of the reasons why this is important to look at and to, to pay attention to is that this is a race that we all feel like we're in. Yet there's no finish line, and there are no winners. The only thing that we perceive in this race is that if I'm not running as fast as I can, then I'm falling behind, which in some sense, that can be a useful mindset in certain contexts, right? this idea of always moving, not being content, not being complacent. That's good. We want to keep growing. However, sometimes we'll obsess so much about this that we'll become attached to the concept Of hustling and overworking and overtraining and going beast mode, that we end up actually breaking ourselves down. Our actions begin to conflict with our own liberation, our own ability to actually find the zone. So, we're going to be talking a lot about how to move with flow through your work, through your training, with your relationships, with all areas of life in this episode as a counter to. Being in this race that has no finish line is a counter to being wrapped up in the hustle culture and the Red Queens race of running as fast as you can just to stay in place. So the way that we want to look at this instead of always just hustling and working as hard as possible is to begin to train with flow, to work with flow, to love with flow, to live with flow. It's very much like what Zen is all about. Zen is when hungry eat, when tired sleep. Lean into what you feel. Now, many people will hear something like that and think to themselves, well, I can't do that because then I'm going to be allowing my emotions to take control. The distinction that we want to make when it comes to Zen stoicism and how to find our flow is not that our emotions are the boss. It's not that we need to be slaves to our emotions or answer our emotions at their every beck and call. What it does mean is to allow our emotions to be a compass. When emotions are pleasant, when they're coming from a calm place, a peaceful place, they're reinforcing. When our emotions are coming from an agitated place, when they are unpleasant or they seem to be restless, it is giving us a signal that something isn't right, that something either is happening that shouldn't be happening or that something isn't happening that should be happening. So we use our emotions as a way of guiding us to reflecting on what it is that we're saying, what it is that we're doing. And it's no different when it comes to the way that you work or the way that you train or the way that you invest your time and energy into anything. We want to lean into what it is that we're feeling and use it as a guide, not use it as a taskmaster. In other words, if your emotions are telling you, like, I'm sad and I should have a piece of chocolate cake, that's probably not what they're saying. (laughs) If they're saying I'm sad, it is probably letting you know that there is something that maybe you have not fully processed yet. So the point here is use the emotions as a compass to help you guide yourself and avoid overtraining. This will help you to find that sweet spot of flow within your everyday life. I think one of the things that's really funny about hustle culture and how it's become this badge of honor to be burnt out or to be stressed or to be tired and you know be team no sleep is the fact that it has become this thing that although it seems to champion hard work is no longer about the work, but more so about the state of being in hustle, the state of being borderline burnt out and running on fumes. And there's this video by Matt Colbo that I thought was really funny where it's, it's basically titled every inspirational video and the beginning of the video, he begins by saying, I wake up so early. You want to know how early I woke up this morning? I woke up yesterday at noon but for like today. <laughs> and and it's so ridiculous because we start to associate this idea of hard work and waking up early and be in rising and grinding to as this badge of honor, as this thing that kind of makes us better or more or superior to others and it's such a weird thing because at the same time we break ourselves down we seem to be running as fast as we can in this race where there's no actual finish line even if you achieve your goals there are always new goals so there's no actual finish line here and we feel as though we're falling behind and we're racing against competitors who are trying to do the same thing but the reality is is we're racing against ourselves and if you start to conflict with your own liberation, with your own inner peace, with your own sense of fulfillment, based on the manner in which you do the work, it causes us to fall into delusional patterns of thinking. It causes us to fall into expediency of trying to get there and rush there as quick as possible. And when we're being expedient about our pursuits and about our work, not only do we break ourselves down and burn out, but what we're also doing at the same time is we're missing the journey along the way we're not sitting in the discomfort we're just trying we're not sitting in the discomfort and really learning about ourselves and really doing the work in a methodical way but we're just trying to rush through everything to get to the outcome and a lot of this would again come from not just the delusion of expediency but the delusion of control of being attached to the outcome and we don't want to be attached to the outcome because when we're attached to the outcome it's very difficult for us to actually be present and enjoy the journey so one of the things that inspired this episode of the idea of overdoing is because I know multiple times this year I'd experienced burnout. I'd also experienced the injury of having a herniated disc, which, you know, was kind of shitty. And one of the reasons why I experienced that, or at least one of the reasons I think I experienced that is I used to overtrain a lot and I didn't put a lot of energy or focus into my recovery or my mobility, but it was more so just gain, 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 lift weights, do jujitsu, Jitsu you know, roll hard every single day at jiu-jitsu. And while I was doing that, you know, 5 to 6 days a week, twice a day, it was starting to take a toll on my body and I thought that I was getting better. I thought that that was the path. But the reality is, I was being expedient. I was not only being expedient of trying to get my results as soon as possible, but what I was also doing is I was being performative. I was wearing that badge of honor that I train twice a day and I work all these hours as A way of kind of indicating to the outside environment and the people around me that I work really hard, that I'm super disciplined and that look at me. And the thing is, my intentions were in a delusional place and ultimately led down to the breakdown of my body and injury, but also the burnout of myself mentally and emotionally. And so when we're engaging in these delusions, it puts us into a place where the whole point of our goal or the whole purpose of why we're doing it in the first place gets lost. But we start to get attached to the outcome and we start to get attached to the way that we appear to others. And this causes us to engage in delusions of performance, delusions of expediency, delusions of control, delusions of resistance to our own feelings and our own signals in our bodies and our minds that are telling us to stop and reflect for a moment. So, I began to do some research on this and looking into my own life, I remember watching a video of Faraz Zahabi. So those of you who don't know who Faraz Zahabi is, he was George St. Pierre's coach when George St. Pierre was the champion in UFC. And Faraz Zahabi has a very interesting approach to training and this is something that I began to apply to my own self because this allows me to get into more of a flow. And allows me to find that harmony between progression and purposeful action and effort, as well as enjoying the journey and enjoying the process and being able to ride the wave, so to speak. So Faraz focuses on consistency over intensity when it comes to training. And he thinks about how much volume can I pack in rather than how much intensity can I pack in? And when we think about the idea of volume, volume comes more so from consistency. The thing is, a lot of people, myself included, try to do both consistency and intensity. And you can do both, but eventually you're going to burn out, right? You cannot sprint every day because by definition, if you're sprinting every day, according to Faraz Zahabi, you're not sprinting at all. Because if you're really, truly sprinting, if you're really giving your all, you shouldn't have anything left in the tank. And to do that every day is unsustainable. It burns us out completely. So Faraz believes that exercise should produce energy, not take it away. And if we're exercising in a way, for example, that is fatigue-seeking, we're just trying to break ourselves down and become as sore as possible so that we could tell our friends the next day, oh, I'm so sore from that leg workout or I'm so beat up from jujitsu last night. Then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We're not gonna actually sustain our gains because it taxes our nervous system to work at that capacity, to work at that intensity. So, what's really important is to find this flow and exercise in a way and train in a way that produces energy. And this changed my whole philosophy on how I was gonna train because now I'm not going to the gym trying to be an 11 out of 10 in terms of my intensity. I know I'm capable of that from a mental toughness standpoint because I've done it so many times, but I realized that that's also going to break me down and actually have diminishing returns on the ambitions and goals that I would have, whether it's in my sport for jujitsu or just for general well-being and health and living pain-free. So this changes the way that I at least looked at training. It changed the way that I even looked at coaching because this also plays into ourselves not just physically but mentally and emotionally if we tax our nervous systems by going beast mode and giving our all every single day then number one we're bullshitting ourselves because we're not actually giving our all and we're probably doing it for the performative element and thinking that we're working really hard and number two the other issue with this is that we are breaking ourselves down we are killing the point of the goals that we had in the first place. So it's really important that instead of going all out and going intense, that we develop consistency and we develop a flow. So Faraz Zahabi mentioned Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who is an expert on flow. And I know that name is a mouthful. So for future reference on this particular episode, I'll be calling him MC. So MC is an expert on flow state. And the idea of flow state is to Put effort into things in a way that it's not so easy that you're bored, but also not so difficult that it creates anxiety. And you want your training and your efforts and your endeavors to have a pulling effect to get you excited about the pursuit of it without breaking you down. These things should energize you, not leave you worn out. So Faraz takes this approach when it comes to training himself as well as his fighters. Right. He's not always going all out. It's all, it's more in a flow. It's more almost in a playful state. He was being interviewed by Joe Rogan a few years ago. And one of the things he, he mentioned as an example to this were the difference between Russian wrestlers and American wrestlers. And Russian wrestlers can train long and consistent practices. And they are able to train every day because they flow with their practices they have almost a playful energy with how they're practicing so their technique is very fluid and then as they get closer to the end of practice then they ramp up and be, and go intense whereas uh, the more american style of wrestling is either go intense every single day which obviously leads to a breakdown or it's go intense for a few hours three times a week or so now the problem with that is between the two if we're looking at this from a competition sense The Russians in that example, and I know this is a very oversimplified version, but the Russians in that example are having a significant amount more volume with a lot less tax on their nervous system as their intensity is constrained and temporary. It's not the constant through their training. So it's more of a playful flow. One of the things that Farah hobby said that's a very controversial take but it really points this idea of overdoing it is the idea that if you're sore you overdid it that people should never be sore with their workouts because the idea especially if you're in a sport is that your workout should fuel your ability to perform in that sport not take away from it so if you're sore you're not going to perform at the same level so it's important to work on your body but it's important to do so within the range that is going to make you addicted to the process of engaging of it. It's going to have a pulling effect. It's going to inspire you, not where it feels like a chore. Of course, the caveat is when somebody's preparing for a big sporting event of some kind, whether that's a fight, whether you're doing a race, a marathon, anything like that, then there is a confined amount of time that you train really hard that you train for the fight or for the marathon and in that temporary window of time you can go really hard but it's not meant to be forever like that the thing is we all think that it is because that's what's sexy when we see the montage training videos either whether it's in the movies or you're watching like something like Rocky or you're watching a, a fighter on the way to their title fight and all the promo videos that come out they're always training super hard but that's not reality that's not what we should be doing each and every day and the thing is if we're being inspired by that and thinking that that's how we need to be training we're going to end up causing more damage to ourselves than good. Going back to the idea of flow, right? By MC or Mihai Csikszentmihalyi if you guys forgot his name. <laughs> so he has 10 components of flow. <coughs> so there's another article that I read that was talking about the 10 components of flow and the or the 10 experiences that go with the state of being in flow. So the first one is having a clear understanding of what you want to achieve. So this is very simple, right? Having an aim, having some kind of a goal, that way you're able to aim on it. Remember, the goal or the thing that you want to achieve is not necessarily the point. What it does is it gets you moving. It gets you to do something. We don't want to be attached to the goal, but we do want to have at least an aim or a sense of direction of where we're going. That's really important. Number two. Being able to concentrate for a sustained period of time. So again, having constraints on what we're doing. So we have an aim, we have a clear understanding of what we want to achieve, and then the ability to concentrate on that for a sustained period of time is good. Putting constraints or limitations on how long you train or how long you work could help with this. Number three, losing the feeling of consciousness of oneself. So this one I really love because this brings up a Zen concept of non-self. And non-self doesn't mean that there isn't a sense of individuality. What it means is that when you're so present in whatever it is that you're doing, you start to lose a sense of I am doing this thing and you just start to become present in the process of whatever it is. So this is something just as an example that I experience when I'm doing this podcast sometimes. I'll be so enthralled and so immersed into The dialogue of what I'm recording that I'll start to lose a sense of myself and it almost starts to feel like I'm listening to the words being said as as weird as that sounds. (laughs) But I forget that I am Victor and I'm doing this podcast. I start to really feel one with the words, the whole process, the recording equipment, the whole room, the whole moment, the whole vibe. That is what it feels like to be in flow, which you know leads us to the to number four. We start to find that time passes quickly. Oftentimes I'll be on this podcast and I'll feel like I only did, you know, ten minutes or so. And next thing I know, I did a 30-minute episode that I gotta edit through and reduce down. So this is something that you'll start to find in activities of flow. And what's good is Pay attention to when you feel these things. Pay attention to when you lose the feeling of consciousness of yourself or when you find that time passes quickly and you're able to really concentrate on something. This is what it is to be in that zone. Number five, getting direct and immediate feedback. Now, this one is super, super important because the feedback loop is what's going to reinforce and cause you to adapt and pivot. And we're going to revisit this in a a little bit more detail after this list. Number six is experiencing a balance between your ability levels and the challenge. So, again, this comes back to you don't want to be going so hard that you start to produce anxiety because of the Significance or the magnitude of the endeavor you're going after, but also not so easy that you get bored. It's about being right in the middle there. So that way you're a little bit challenged, but you also feel a sense of confidence growing the more and more you go through it. And again, the feedback loop is important for that because the feedback loop will give us both things that challenge us as well as things that make us reinforce our sense of confidence, our sense of competency in whatever it is that we're doing. Number seven having a sense of personal control of the situation. So when we're in that zone, there's this sense of certainty that we begin to build within ourselves. And again, that certainty, a lot of that is coming from the feedback loop of when we do good and we feel that reinforcement of whether that's excitement, we feel a sense of accomplishment and that consistent feedback loop of going back and forth, as well as when we get maybe a negative piece of feedback and we're able to adapt quickly or we are able to, make a pivot, and then, once again, be rewarded by the process by making advances in it. So that will give us that sense of personal control. Number eight, feeling that the activity is intrinsically rewarding. These last couple are very heavily related on that feedback loop. When we get feedback from the process of whatever it is that we're doing, then we're going to notice that there are some rewards to it. One example that I can give that, at least I have experienced in my own life, on a consistent basis, is when I'm training jiu-jitsu. When you're in a sparring session or a rolling session in jiu-jitsu, there is constant feedback between you and your partner. You are both fighting for position and you're fighting for submissions with one another. And there's immediate feedback if you did something right or if you did something wrong. Because if you did something right, you're going to advance your position. If you did something wrong, they're going to advance their position. So there's this immediate back and forth. And when you're sparring with somebody is more or less the same level as you, this feedback loop starts to become really, really smooth and fast. When you are going against somebody that has a skill level that's far beyond your own, it just starts to produce anxiety because most of the feedback that you're getting is negative. And also, if you're rolling against somebody who you are much more skilled than, it almost gets boring <laughs> because you are only getting positive feedback. So, finding that middle ground is what's going to create more of that sense of flow. Number nine, lacking the awareness of bodily needs. So again, (laughs) this, this is something that can happen when you're in flow, which is why it's good to have constrained amounts of times when you're doing this because you start to lose awareness of maybe the fact that you're thirsty and maybe need to hydrate, or you lose the fact that maybe you got a little bit of achiness or soreness that's happening. Number 10, being completely absorbed in the activity itself. So again, this is very similar to the one that we talked about before where it was about losing the feeling of consciousness of oneself. So this is that sensation where it's no longer you doing this thing. You just are the moment. All of your awareness is the entire moment, the entire process of whatever it is that you're doing. And this, these are the 10 things that a person would feel when they're really in the zone. So MC also defined three things that must be present when you enter a state of flow. So this is how we get into that. So number one is having goals. We talked about that, having an aim. We need something to work towards to start to experience flow. If we're just mindlessly acting and mindlessly wandering around, we're not going to experience that zone because there's no certainty or sense of control being created. Number two is balance. So having the good balance between your perceived skill level and the level of the challenge that you are enduring. This idea is much like what we talked about before. Don't do so much that it's going to create anxiety, but also don't do so little that you're going to get bored with it. and. Number three, feedback. You must have clear, immediate feedback so that you're able to make changes, improve your skill set, improve your performance, be able to pivot and adapt to the changes of environment. The feedback can be from other people or it can be the awareness that you're making progress on the task or maybe that you've messed something up and that you could have the opportunity to correct it. So... Remember, too much of a challenge leads to perfectionism and fear of failure. It builds a lot of anxiety and makes you not want to go back. And going back to the initial example that we talked about, this idea of hustle culture and how it negatively impacts flow, is that most of the time when we are in the hustle mindset and the rise and grind and just work as hard as you possibly can every single day, one of the things that ends up happening is that we have these delusions of grandeur where we're trying to solve these monumental problems we're trying to make our purpose something so significant so grandiose that it begins to put all this unnecessary pressure on us as an individual moving through and what ends up happening here is that this excessiveness of significance in our goals or in our endeavors leads to perfectionism and fear of failure And even imposter syndrome, you know, fear of being found out. And the reason why it does that is because we're making the task, we're making the endeavor so big that we couldn't possibly fathom being able to figure it out. We are comparing our day one to somebody else's year 30 and seeing like, oh, well, this person is doing all these great, amazing things. And who am I? I'm just starting out. It's like, no, don't compare yourself to that person. Make sure that you're making your challenge proportionate to where you are today. Now, on the other hand, making things too easy leads to apathy and boredom. So you want something that is proportionate to where you're at today. Make the task or the goal proportionate to where you've been today. So don't make it too far out, but also not making it so easy that you're not inspired. And then keep in mind that as you're moving towards these things, to always have that feedback loop. Having a goal gives you something to measure your performance against. Getting the feedback or the awareness of the gap between your goal and your efforts is also really important. However, if you put too much significance, if you're too serious about your endeavor, about your goal, if you're just super rigid, then what that's going to lead to is feedback that feels very painful. It's very, very painful to be wrong when you take yourself way too seriously. So with your goals, they may be super important to you, but it's important to approach them in a playful manner, in, a, in that zone of flow. It sucks to be wrong when you give too much significance to anything because what you're doing is you're starting to rest your identity on that thing and you're starting to engage in a delusion of control. You're being so rigid rather than going in with understanding and curiosity and knowing that, hey, I might be wrong. I'm going to fail, but that's okay. I'm going to learn something. When you fail in a playful state... You laugh, you learn, and you move on. That is the key to being in flow, going into things with a playful state, going into things, taking yourself so seriously, but also not going into things completely not caring, but finding the harmony between those things. This is the idea of right effort from the Eightfold Path in Buddhism. And as Shunryu Suzuki said, all the difficulties you have in Zazen—Zazen is seated meditation— should not take place outside of your mind. Your effort should be kept within your mind. In other words, you have to accept the difficulty as not being other than what you are. So what is being said here is that the race that you think that you're running, the one that has no finish line, and that seems to have all this competition and people you're comparing yourselves to, has actually nothing to do with the outside. All of it is your perception. All of it is how you are interpreting and what you are giving significance to in your own life. Find your middle way. Right effort is about having a perceived rate of exertion that you can maintain consistently forever. If you go above that, you will burn yourself out. If you go below that, you will become uninspired and apathetic. Right effort is doing the best you can for the context that you're in, not trying to do more than you can but doing the best you can in finding that sweet spot. Now, another quote from Shunryu Suzuki that's really interesting is this one. Dojin Zenji was enlightened when he heard his master strike and say to the disciple sitting next to Dojin, what are you doing? You have to make a hard effort. What are you doing? That effort is Zen. That effort is to observe the precepts. If we make our best effort on each moment with confidence, that's enlightenment. When you ask whether your way is perfect or not, There is an insidious idea of self. When you do your best to observe the precepts to practice Zen within the big mind, there is enlightenment. There is no special way to attain enlightenment. Enlightenment is not some certain stage. Enlightenment is everywhere. Wherever you are, enlightenment is there. Whatever you do with your best effort, enlightenment follows. This is very important for our Zen practice and for our everyday life. We should make our best effort in our everyday life as well as our practice of Zen. Shunryu Suzuki. So this is key because it's not about whether or not the way that we're doing something is perfect or the right way, but it is about making our best effort on each moment with confidence. It's not about having a special or a correct way of doing something, but putting your best effort based on whatever your best is in that moment. Remember your best is going to be different when you're tired versus when you're fully awake. It's going to be different when you're sick versus when you're healthy But do your best each moment. That is enlightenment. That is right effort. One of the examples I always love is that if you're going to bake a cake, you don't put the oven to 500 degrees to think that you're going to make the cake faster or better because then you just end up burning the cake. Put it to 350 and you let it take as much time as it needs to take to fully bake. We are no different from that. If we turn ourselves up to 500 degrees in the name of hustle, in the name of hard work, in the name of hashtag no days off, team no sleep that we're just going to burn ourselves out. Right effort is being able to go that steady, consistent rate forever. That is where we find our flow. There's a really interesting excerpt from that article on hustle culture that says, Perhaps we've all gotten a little hungry for meaning. Participation in organized religion is falling, especially among American millennials. In San Francisco, where I live, I've noticed that the concept of productivity has taken on an almost spiritual dimension. Techies here have internalized the idea rooted In the Protestant work ethic, that work is not something you do to get what you want. The work itself is all. Therefore, any life hack or company perk that optimizes their day, allowing them to fit in even more work, is not just desirable, but inherently good. Aidan Harper, who created a European workweek shrinkage campaign called 4-Day Workweek, argues that this is dehumanizing and toxic. It creates the assumption that the only value we have as human beings is our productivity, capability, our ability to work rather than our own humanity. He told me, It's cultist," Mr. Harper added, to convince workers to buy into their own exploitation with a change the world message. It's creating the idea that Elon Musk is your highest priest, he said. You're not going into church every day and worshipping at the altar of work. For congregants of the Cathedral of Perpetual Hustle, Spending time on anything that is non-work related has become a reason to feel guilty. Yes, it's important to enjoy the work. But like anything else, we don't want to make hustle and hard work the emotional attachment that we strive for, that we lean our identity upon. We want to allow work to be what it needs to be in our lives, but at the same time, have the ability to just be, to just engage in our own humanity. There is a balance between progress and gains, and recovery. Imagine what your day would look like if it was in flow. Would it be all work and no play? Or all play and no work? No. You'll find the answer is neither. There is a harmony between the two that occurs when you're in a flow. A harmony between purpose-driven thinking and a purposeless ease of just being. If you swing the pendulum towards all things being purposeful and productive, you'll fall prey to overworking and overtraining. If you swing the pendulum towards all things being pleasurable and fun, you'll eventually run into the existential crisis of meaninglessness. Aim at that sweet spot that respects the value of both in your life. Remember, there is no race. You're not competing against anyone. All of the difficulties, all of the stresses, all the anxieties, all the feelings of burnout and feeling behind or ahead or whatever it is, is within you it does not exist outside of you philosophy is designed for the subjective personal reality of the individual it is up to you to examine your own intentions and why it is that you do the work that you do why it is that you train the way that you train or why you invest the time and energy into people and things the way that you do are your intentions pointing back at your humanity or are they pointing away from it this is where you're going to discover whether or not you're overdoing it.